we the people of the United States to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, establish the Constitution. Hello friends and welcome to We The People Show. This is your host Tiger and how, how are you doing today, Bradley? I'm doing alright, just recovering from a small cold, but I'm getting a lot better pretty quickly and not as bad as the one I had in November. Well, that's good. I mean, uh, it's, it is, I guess, approaching flu season or we're in the middle of it after all, but I'm sure all of us will be alright since I had it one before last fall. And briefly, uh, last month-ish, or, or in January. But either way, I'm good as well. Anyway, uh, as y'all can see, folks, it's the midterms 2022 primaries. It's just passed. And we're going to go through that, as well as the runoffs in May. And then talk about uh, Biden's fantasy land, Utopia. Um, first off, was the primaries, Bradley. Um, how many of your candidates won or lost or went to runoff? Uh, well, <clears throat> I would say all, um, uh, pretty much all the candidates I was hoping for on the Republican side that won the nomination or, you know, were forced to run off, uh, did just that. Um, you know, I was very happy that Abbott was able to win his nomination as I expected him to by a lot. Um, I would say that, you know, of course, Sam Patrick got it pretty easily uh and uh Keen Pax is now in a runoff with George P. Bush which is a good thing and I hope P. Bush pulls it through and um yeah when Van Taylor got a well he was forced into a runoff but then uh, he dropped out uh today Uh, and you know I already knew he was pretty bad for one um setting up the uh voting for the January 6th committee, which uh, was very unnecessary. And also, apparently, from what I've heard, he had a affair with his wife. So that's not very good. Oh, but yikes. No, with this knowledge, she made the right decision to drop out, knowing that he'd lose. Oh, yeah. Damn. Well, it's a good thing he's out. And uh, remind me, like, what congressional district was he a representative of this Van Taylor dude? I think it was the third district in the Collin County uh, area, North Dallas suburb. Gotcha. Uh, I'm not familiar with congressional districts over there, but I am, like, not all of it, but I am familiar with one of them, though. It's uh, represented uh, represented by Congresswoman Beth Van Doon. She won her primary pretty easily. I guess it's pretty... uh, I, I would guess it's a pretty red district. And yeah. <clears throat> and besides that, uh, a couple of other candidates that I was hoping for, they, well, one of them for the Texas House, first of all, lost the primary. He came in third, and that's Hayden Paget. He was running for Texas House, House District 70, I believe. And yeah, he ended up finishing third so that sucks but other than that pretty much the results is what I expected George P. Bush 
got Paxton into a runoff. And uh, other candidates who went to runoff would be Kerry Isaac for House District 73, Texas House, and uh, Justin Berry for House District 19, Caroline Harris for House District 52. Now, folks, you know all those are Central Texas. Two of them, yes, two of them in, is in Austin area-ish. Justin Berry is like Travis County-ish, and Caroline, Caroline Harris She's running in Williamson County. And of course, Carrie Isaac, Bradley, you and I know she's running in Hayes and Como. And she got into the runoff. Right. So good for her. And besides. Did she, so, sorry, go did, ahead. Did she get first? Did she get first or second place in the runoff? I mean, the, uh, in the regular primary? Well, uh, the last I checked, I believe uh, the second place, that is. And, you know, it's a good thing that she is running for another district instead because, uh, you know, the district that she ran last year or last cycle is pretty much concluded to be blue now with Aaron Zawiner. That Zawiner won. The fact that Zawiner won re-election last time and it was a pretty close race. It was at least uh, 1% away. Kerry Isaac was 1% away from winning. Think about that. But Zawiner well, ended up winning, meaning that 45 has kind of lost hope. I see. Okay, so besides Texas House and Attorney General, there's also um, Don Buckingham, State Senator Buckingham. She got into a runoff, placing first for uh, Texas Land Commissioner, which that office is currently held by George P. Bush. But Bush didn't run, of course. He's going for Attorney General. So we wish all these people good luck in their primaries. And yes, for uh, for the runoff, that is. For um, the other offices on the Democrat side, folks, um, Henry... Quayar, if I'm pronouncing his name right, he's a Democrat congressman uh, who represents Congressional District 28 around South Texas. I endorsed him for re-election, but he ended up, um, what's it called, advancing to a runoff facing Jessica Cisneros, who is that progressive candidate challenging him in the Democrat primary, so I wish him the best of luck. I think, yeah, incumbent Congressman Cuellar, C-U-E-L-L-A-R. Forgive me, folks, if I'm pronouncing his name wrong. And have you heard of that, Congressman Bradley? Oh, yeah, Henry Cuellar, for sure. Yeah. Life Democrat in Congress. And uh, this is unre- a bit unrelated, but uh, once I saw his congressional portrait rally it remind he reminds me of uh, our mutual friend christian cavasas sorry uh what, what was that as it reminds you of christian uh, uh yeah congressman quayar <laughs> kind of looks like our uh-oh. mutual friend there christian uh, i mean i i guess if he was 50 <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah that's true if Christian was 50 years old. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, oh yeah, this other, uh, moving on to those candidates who won 
the primary, of course, glad that incumbent Governor Abbott and Lieutenant Governor Patrick won their primaries pretty easily, like by a lot. For Abbott, yes. it's pretty funny because, you know, in the governor's race, um, a lot of people were saying, oh, Alan West would beat him, or Don Little Man Huffines would beat him. But, well, <laughs> look look at them. They're, they're at, like, 11% of the vote. So, <laughs> prove them wrong, we did. Yeah. Yeah, I haven't won by uh, two-thirds of the vote. Yeah. And uh, one of the friends, or one of the accounts that, that we follow, I follow on social media, Bradley, said that um called at calling abbott's victory like well looks like we we either have a democrat or a rhino which in my opinion i highly doubt that abbott's a rhino definitely not speaking of rhinos if you want to find one look at governor mike dewine in ohio that's a real rhino i do not believe abbott is a rhino yeah i don't think he is either he's been consistently conservative uh, although I do agree that has been a little too open to allowing tech companies come to, to Austin and Plano, and I think that's a big problem. So I think as long as we put more pressure on him not to do that, we're good. Yeah, because, and um, I do admit that Abbott does have some, you know, um, flaws. Of course, he's not a flawless governor, but overall, I do think he is the best choice going up against the Democrats in this this year's general election for the midterms because the Democrats have already nominated obviously Beto O'Rourke and this guy he just shifts his his attention a lot from a national level and state level like on and off just look at his 2018 Senate campaign and his 2020 presidential campaign and now he's going for governor so this guy is not going to make it because he keeps saying focusing on the energy grid is going to pull him through, which is not. He's going to focus. He needs to focus more than that, and his record on guns and fracking isn't going to sit well with voters. No, it won't. And about guns, well, it may work with urban Democrats, but definitely not those, you know, South Texas and and other rural areas of Texas. Rural Democrats, basically. So yep, I I would say Beto is not going to make it this cycle. And it's going to be even worse for him if President Biden campaigns for Beto. Which I think even Beto himself started to take notice like months, a couple months ago, you know. And they basically Beto was, and other Democrats in Texas was like, nope, President Biden, no thank you. We refuse to um, allow you to campaign for me. Because they, even they know that Biden is unpopular. Don't you agree? Yeah, I would uh, certainly hurt Beto's uh, already messed up campaign. Yeah. And look how that turned out with President Biden, who campaigned for uh, former Virginia governor Terry McAuliffe. And now Virginia's red because of it. Governor Yunkin is doing what he promised to do. Yes, he is. So, Bradley, um, one last... Okay, other primaries for me, that is, um, that they won easily would be Congressman Chip Roy, Congressman um, Michael McCall, and Ronnie Jackson. 
and that's about it. And there is one primary that um, that the Republicans are looking to flip, and that's the Congressional District 15 to uh, succeed Vincent Gonzalez. And uh, that is the, the Republican nominee there is Monica de la Cruz, in which I endorsed and she won. And um, what do you think about those following congressional districts? Yeah, um, <coughs> uh, I expected Chip Roy to win uh, pretty easily. Rose Primary, and as well as Michael McCall, they're incumbents. Right, pretty much incumbents. Um, and uh, Monica de la Cruz, yeah, she was actually the uh, nominee for that same district uh, back in uh, 2020. Yeah. And uh, <clears throat> and she actually surprised like a lot of pundits uh, when uh, she only lost by three points. There you go. Meaning that Republicans South Texas. Yeah, Republicans have a chance there. Yeah, and considering the district shifted to be even more Republican, according to the PBI, um, and uh, considering it's a red wave year and the South Texas uh, Hispanics are shifting more Republican, it's definitely going to flip Republican. I'm putting my money on it. Yes, and I back Monica. That's an open seat. Yes, I back Monica. We back Monica all the way, 100%. Because if she's close to winning last year, or last cycle, I mean, she will most definitely win this cycle, in my opinion. And, um... She will, too. Yeah, Bradley, uh, okay. Besides the races we just mentioned, there's also, oh yeah, Texas comptroller Glenn Hagar. He won his primary easily. I don't know if you endorse him, but I certainly do for re-election. Yeah, I supported him. Yeah, and pretty much that's about it for other statewide races, folks. Well, yeah, for me, uh, you might not know, but I do. Uh, Rob McCarthy, he's running for Texas House District 47. Yeah, he won his primary, which um, I'm, I'm surprised, but also not not at the same time. Because his election was uncontested. He's the only one running in the primary. So no surprise that he got the nomination. But General will be interesting because he's going up against Democrat incumbent um, Vicky Goodwin. So that's going to be an interesting election to look out for in November. And uh, For sure. Besides that, oh yeah, the losses. I'll go first quickly, Bradley. Texas Congressional District 35. Unfortunately, the Socialists... Greg Cesar won. Guess it looks like people are just going to keep voting on emotions in utopia ideas. And, uh, but good news though, that my congressional district, after, for me that is, Bradley, after redistricting takes effect, it's actually still dogged. So I became 37 now, according to my uh, voters' registration card. So my. So my you're not under the, the socialist candidate. <laughs> yeah, so at least I'm not under Cesar, potential congressman. And I said possible congressman because, you know, it's a solid blue district. So there's no point for me to look into the Republican candidates running. It's not a 
November is such as possible. It's inevitable. <laughs> yeah. But we shall see in November. Anything could change from, you know, after the primaries are, primaries are completely done until November 8th, 2022. And, yeah. That's about it. Just a hope that Cuellar would pull through in 28 to beat out the other progressive. One, we yeah. can't have one more AOC in Congress. We already had one yeah. with Cesar. Or well, think of this way, even if he, uh, if he were to lose his primary, that make the Republicans' chances of picking up that district more uh, likely. Because of the progressive... Because a lot of Quaylaw voters become voting for the Republican candidate. Ah, you have a good point. Like, Quayar supporters may not necessarily like, you know, um, the ideas of Cincinnati's, the progressives, basically. Right. And I guess you do have a point if, if you also think about it, folks, as well. Um, Quayar supporters are likely, like, the Joe Manchin-type Democrats. They're not necessarily, you know, the mainstream liberals. Like, liberals and progressives may have things in common, but um, what different, what's different from supporters of Congressman Cuellar would be that they're probably the Joe Manchins of Texas, don't you think? Oh, certainly. So, yeah, I guess um, it is worth, some, some elections are worth looking into, like, on the Republican side, that is. So, yep. So uh, that's pretty much it, Bradley, for the candidates that I endorse. We have some winners and losers on uh, both both parties. Of course, I look at the Republican Party more primaries-wise, that is. And, yeah, Senator Campbell, the state senator that, uh, that I interned for three years ago, yeah, she won her primary. And I think she'll pull through in the Texas Senate, given how red her Senate district is, consisting of, you know, Como County and Guadalupe, especially uh, Como, I believe. I could be wrong about Guadalupe being part of Senate District 25, but overall, I believe Campbell will win re-election in November. So... Oh, yeah, I think she will, too. Nice. Anyway, Bradley, before I move on, in terms of topic, um, do you have anything add to add for uh, the primaries and runoff? Um, <clears throat> nothing in particular. Just uh, oh yeah, uh, I saw that uh, vote share for Republicans is pretty close to matching, and they're still counting the votes at this time, but it's pretty close to matching their turnout in <laughs> in twenty twenty in the Republican primary. And that was during a presidential election year, so that's very significant. And uh, Democrats are... uh, (coughs) um, They're uh, about 600,000 votes short of their primary votes from 2020. It's also significant. So, okay, you're saying that um, Republican voters turn out more than Democratic voters overall? Oh, definitely. Uh, By... Thousand votes. Well, damn, I am not. Those aren't always the best cynic. Yes, uh, I am not surprised given that um, a red wave is incoming. 
that uh, it's proven that um, it will be a red wave more than it. I mean, we already saw it in um, the Virginia gubernatorial election last year and the New Jersey one too, setting the stage for this year midterms. Although I find it weird too that Bradley that early voting turnout tends to be lower this year, oddly enough. And uh, I guess just people want to vote on election day instead of the early voting period. Yeah, I don't know. I always like to vote early to beat the lines. Yeah, well, regardless, the point is that a red wave is coming, so Democrats ought to be scared statewide and nationally. Now, that's right. Okay, Bradley. Uh, moving on from those, what do you say about uh, the President Biden's State of the Union? So, just uh, your initial thoughts. Well, I'm be honest, I didn't waste my time watching all of it. But I've heard uh, some people, a fair amount of people, saying that it wasn't very good. Yeah, I didn't watch it either i mean i saw like clips certain clips of it from twitter to the watch party that i went through that i went to which is odd since it's supposed to be you know watching election results but i guess out of boredom some tvs are just the the restaurant uh, employees probably put on Biden's state of the union probably just to mix it up a bit i guess but either way I, yeah. I skimmed through it later on and boy you're right it is pretty much terrible it's like a lala it's literally a lala land for him because uh, as the title suggests of this episode because first off i also saw the read through the skim through the transcript published on the new york times page because first off he says he's fighting for voting rights act to oppose so-called voting suppression which isn't even true. That's a complete lie. Election integrity does not suppress any votes, any right to vote, that is. And he says the only way to solve inflation is to spend more money. Also, a BS policy that he's failed policy that he's still trying to go through. And uh, he says that he created more jobs than any other president. Also BS, because... Letting people go back to work after a pandemic isn't job creating. And he says to secure the border. Oh, now, President Biden, you're deciding to do that? Because midterms, it's a midterm year now. And lastly, he says he's pro-vet veteran, which is, um, nope. Because look at Afghanistan and look at the veterans voters um, view of you, President Biden. It's not very pretty either. So all Biden did last on Tuesday night, Bradley, was just just uh, touting his so-called accomplishments, which aren't, which is just just country destroying stuff. However, Bradley, I did have to applaud President Biden on one thing, that the United States stand with the Ukrainian people in uh, oh, yeah. fighting Russia. So yeah, that's pretty yeah, much I mean- my take on his State of the Union. Your turn. I've I've been keeping up with like what's been going on there for over a week now, exactly a week at the time of this video, uh-huh. and it's 
It's just terrible. Right. How, how, what, what, what would make Putin think in his mind that he could just waltz in and invade a sovereign nation for no reason? Because he's a tyrant and a bully. That's one way to put it. About his own people, he only cares about satisfying him, himself, his ego, his oligarchs, and he's willing to kill innocent civilians to achieve that. You saw the bombardment of the cities of Kiev and uh, other places. It's just terrible. Yeah. And uh, even Russian soldiers themselves aren't, you know, necessarily on board with Putin because I saw. Uh, a news clip of a Russian soldier who surrendered and he was given food and stuff by Ukrainian uh, civilians and given a chance to call his mom in Russia and he broke down in tears and this and the Ukrainian ambassador to the United Nations played or read a screenshots of a text from a Russian soldier to his family they were also it also shows that Russians themselves soldiers themselves don't know what they're doing it's all the influence of the madman named Putin and heck even in Moscow Russia there was anti-war protest so yeah this is all Putin's doing not necessarily the Russian people's doing exactly and I'd say a vast majority of the Russian people are against this war it's just unfortunate that uh, Putin and his regime of thugs and people who continue to um, I, I can't say that because I was, was going to be kind of inappropriate, but um, let's just say people who are willing to, you know, do anything for him, just his goons are trying to crack down on the people who are against this war. I saw a, um, it was an independent article in Russia, one of the few left that uh, claimed that there were uh, children that were detained with their parents all just for laying flowers and anti-war signs at the Ukrainian embassy in Russia and like these these young children as young as 11 crying you know being taken away by the police with their parents like like you haven't seen you know kids dragged away by police since uh, the Nazi era I'd say or as far as I know from my history. Right, so just proves that once again, um, the system in Russia isn't really democratic because the term president for Putin is just a false term. And it's the same thing with Xi Jinping in China. It's, he's not really President Xi. He's more like a modern-day Mao Zedong. And in a proves it justifies that claim even more when China got rid of term limits for president so-called in 2018 so yep it's adversaries watching how Biden handled it and he's weak and yeah sure totally President Biden that sanctions are gonna work now we should have done them way earlier when there's warning signs of Putin bullying Ukraine he needs to target their oil yeah, and as President, former President Trump said, uh, stop buying Russian oil and gas. And the media is just playing it as, oh, Trump praising Putin, a genius, blah, blah, blah. 
well, clearly, if you actually watched the interview by Clay Travis and Buck Seston, that's that was a sarcastic comment that Trump made about calling Putin a genius, and these idiot Dems just played it like he actually thinks Putin is a genius. Like, like they're just launching a smear campaign of uh, Republicans being so-called pro-Russia, which isn't even true at all. Yeah, and if, if you saw Trump's speech at CPAC, he, uh, for about three minutes, he uh, talked about how terrible the war was, and, you know, it was an atrocity against humanity, as he called it. Um, or he called it an atrocity. And uh, <clears throat> he gave praise to the Ukrainian people for their courage. And that's one thing. The Russians are not willing to fight in Ukraine, and the Ukrainian people are willing to fight for their nation, soldiers and civilians. Like, they're standing up to these uh, invaders, stepping on their land, and it's, and it's very inspiring, and their president, Zelensky, oh, wow, he's, he's a badass, <laughs> staying behind in his own country to stay with his people to help them fight. And I think the one quote that really blew me away is when the U.S. offered to help him evacuate. He said, I need ammunition, not a ride. Yeah, that goes down in history in a, in a iconic, as an iconic one. And mm-hmm. say, Bradley, uh, yep, we, you don't even need to, I don't think you need to say your thoughts because you also agree that Biden's State of the Union is just him touting his lava land. And let me recite the Republican response after his speech given by Governor Reynolds, Kim Reynolds of Iowa. She basically called him out for being soft on adversaries, like like and noted in a, his Afghanistan crisis, Ukraine crisis, as an example, and called him out for his wokeness, inflation, big tech censorship mandates, and yep, and border the border not being secure. So all of those are rightful words of Governor Reynolds in the GOP response to. Biden State of the Union, and, and yep, we pretty much stand by that. Yes, indeed. Yep, that's the fantasy land that he's going through, touting through the, he's, Biden saying, oh, we made more jobs, we did this, nah, Mr. President, it's all malarkey, according to you, years ago, and... Folks, the one way to fight fight back would be to uh, vote, vote, vote still in campaign. Especially we are in midterms again. And uh, yep, to take back the chambers and keep a check on him. And we will hopefully vote Biden now in 2024. But again, that's not the focus. The focus is on the midterms. And Brown. But midterms are most important. And Bradley, uh, so far, any updates on your end in campaigning for any candidates for the midterms? Uh, no plans for that yet, but I'll also have to look into it. Cool. Oh, yeah, by the way, folks, and uh, I'm going to tell you on the show um, that, uh, that I am confirmed to run for precinct chair in 2024. But first of all, I'm going to see if there's a vacancy. I think there is two. 
or one or two, so whatever the precinct, basically the precinct number that I am in. And I hope to first of all try to see if I can be appointed to fill a vacancy, then maybe run for a full term. So yep, I am getting uh, my kicks in in politics. What do you think about that? There you, there you go. That sounds good. So yep, I shall be a precinct chair. Of course, I understand it might conflict with my uh, my uh, in the real world workforce career. But at this point, I don't care. I can mix it if I know the right people, and I do the right connections. Since the leader of the the Young Republicans Club that, that I know, he said he can he can uh, get me associated, acquainted with the right people in that. I mean, there are many journalists, folks, that later become politicians. And nobly, there's Congressman Kevin Brady. He studied mass comm in college, and now he's a congressman since, I think, the 80s or 90s. And there's Carrie Lake, a former TV reporter and anchor. She's running for governor, and I think she will win. But we will see through once we get through Arizona's primaries in, in November as well. So there you go, folks. Any walks of life that people are from can run for office. Even you, Bradley, but you have to get to square one first, finding a job related to your degree. Yes. So, okay, I guess uh, you're also considering, this might be a little too soon, but you might also consider for precinct chair, Bradley, if you decide to oh. get in, involved. Uh. Um, I'm not sure. Um, maybe I could run on the county level if it's like a, you know, not not like a really big populated county, but a decent populated county. Okay, I guess for now we will, I guess uh, you just have to, I guess, be patient because sometimes good things happen when you wait, when uh, you have yes. patience, yeah, basically. So there we have it, folks. The primaries are done. Well, for Texas, that is, but not completely. There are some runoffs that we are hoping to see results from. But other than that, yep, await other states' primaries, which, to my knowledge, none in the rest of March or April, but there will be in May, along with the Texas runoffs. But there's June, no, none July, very few July, but August especially Florida. I mean, every state's different, which they have primaries that weird month. But either way, all we will see all of the results, of course, nationwide on November 8th, 2022. And funny enough, it's like, it will be six years. It will mark six years since former President Trump won the 2016 election. And I think I'll make a post, Bradley, stating that that was a big six years ago the beginning of the MAGA movement and here we are six years later um, testing it in midterms after in which the MAGA presidency ended and we have a senile man who doesn't know what's he doing so yep the rest of 2022 will be exciting man yep sounds good so besides 
besides uh, us, the right-wing populist, taking a modem, momentum within the Republican Party, Bradley, you, I think, think of it this way. There's, there is also the left-wing populist, a.k.a. the progressives, also taking a momentum in challenging the Democratic establishment. For example, Greg Cesar, he got the nomination for 35 and could possibly be the next another AOC in Congress. So politically overall, both parties are dealing with populist movements. And uh, not gonna lie, it looks like the progressives are also doing well in a way, depending on where, where they run. But again, like you said, with Texas 28, with Congressman Cuellar, that's probably not gonna go well. But in other places, it looks like they are in 35. So the future of politics and the next generation, it's gonna be all be populist, populist, left wing and right wing. What do you say? Oh yeah, I think that's a feature as well. Yep, and that's just how it is. It is what it is. Now, before we close off this episode, any final thoughts overall, Bradley? Oh well, um, <clears throat> just uh, you all know that's the primaries, the primary runoff around July during election. So keep a close eye out for those. Well. Uh, it's July last time, I think, but this year it's May 24th in May instead of July. Well, I could be wrong. I could be right. I could be wrong. could be just the whole... It could be statewide or by countywide. I don't know, but just to confirm, it, it, must, it, it might be best to confirm with, uh, you know, the, the nearest polling place, the voting the voters registration there you go the county to see when and uh yeah especially when are the actual election dates for election day and you know early voting period but as far as i know bradley it's it's may 24th with uh, attorney general runoff and house state house blah 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 all that good stuff yes Anyway, there we there we have it, folks. That's uh, the uh, primary results, and there'll be a runoff in May for Texas. That is, and of course, Biden is just touting his so-called accomplishments, which aren't in his fantasy land. Last Tuesday, and not only we as Republicans stand by the GOP response to that, but also nationwide too, because even amongst independents, Biden isn't doing well. Democrats themselves are panicking, wanting not want a large number of them not wanting him to run again in 24. But again, 24 is too early to say. Focus on 2022 first. Now, uh, indeed. Now that's about it for this week's episode. Next week, I think I might have expert analyst AJ on. It's not guaranteed, since I think he's been busy and stuff like that. It's understandable, you know. Grad school's grad school's tough. Anyway, we're in March now. Time flies, and uh, we shall we shall talk to y'all next week. Take care, folks. 
we the people of the United States to form a more perfect union, secure the blessings of liberty, establish the Constitution.